You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 15. It's a new year, so let's shed that winter weight, churches, and get mobilized. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now let's join your host, Seth Muse, until a better host comes along. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It is 2017, and we are back with the next episode of the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, and I am excited to tell you who I've got on the show today. Uh, several years ago, I started my journey down the social media pipeline to figure out how to get my church online and, and how to get our church to communicate to our community in a better way. And I discovered this podcast called the Church Marketing Podcast with Dave Shrine. So today it is an honor to have Dave on my podcast, kind of coming full circle for me and where I started having him come on and talk to us a little bit about how to get our churches mobilized using some of the digital tools like social media, websites, and and Instagram, things like that to get us moving towards something meaningful. I think every church pastor wants their church to engage, not just with what we do in a regular basis, but they want their churches to engage with the gospel and carry it out into the community. And one of the ways we do that is through some of these new tools, uh, other than just other than teaching the word, other than our regular services, we get to get involved in people's lives digitally all week long instead of just Sundays and maybe Wednesdays. So Dave has a lot of experience, a lot of insight on how to get our churches engaged and moving and how to do that well. So we're going to jump into this podcast today. It is, is a great conversation with Dave. Dave's an intense guy and he just goes for it. And that's one of the things I love about him. Uh, he's got a, a website called Shrine Media, and I'll put a lot of these links in the show notes and you'll be able to go click and see if your church can benefit from talking with Dave and uh, or, so, or some of the resources that we'll talk about in the podcast. If you want to get those show notes, it is sethmuse.com slash episode 15. Uh, you can always go to sethmuse.com and just hit the podcast page and you'll find it. Or you can just type that in episode 15 after the after sethmuse.com. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. If you've got a chance after you get done, go give me a review or a rating on iTunes. That really helps me out. I love to hear from you guys. Plus, I'd love to hear how we can do better. So let's jump into this podcast today. Let's jump in with Dave Shrine from Shrine Media, the church marketing podcast. And he's got a lot of great stuff for you today. So here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. And today I have a very special guest, Dave Shrine, on the show. So, Dave, thank you so much for being on here. Welcome. Appreciate it, Seth. This is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad the connection was made and we're able to uh, hang out, talk communications, talk church and uh, uh, talk, uh, probably talk some fun stuff, too, in the in the middle of it all. Yeah, of course. Always. Um, I'm man. I'm super pumped that you're on the show. And uh, I want you to tell everybody just what it is you're involved with. You do online business. You're an entrepreneur. Tell us about yourself. and, And for those that might not know who you are. Yeah, that's right. Um, online business. So any type of marketing that's done online, web, email, social media. When I sit down with my clients, so I run a, a company called Shrine Media, um, launched in 2014, and uh, we've done really well so far. Um, whenever I sit down with one of our clients, though, I tell them, I was like, hey, look, if you want to do something with communicating online with web, email, social media, I said, I'll, I'll make you happy. You'll be absolutely thrilled. 
And uh, you'll be proud to show it to all your peers, to all of your contemporaries. If you want to do something traditional media, radio, TV, um, newspaper, you'll probably just want to keep looking because that just is not my forte. So that's really where I spend my time is in the online marketing world. (laughs) That's awesome, Uh, man. Well, I want to jump right in to what you are an expert at and tell me why social media. I mean, is social media a really powerful tool for mobilizing a congregation to do some important things? And why do you think so? Oh, absolutely. Okay, let me just give you a, a, a quick example. Um, there is there is a, a client that I work with, and they continue to advertise in the paper. Now, I will say that this particular client in this particular location, the paper is a community paper, and it does get more reach and more um, you know eyeballs on it than a traditional paper would. However, the case is is to advertise. Uh, four times in this paper, it's going to cost just under $2,000 where we won't know exactly how many people saw it, responded to it, engaged with it, and were attracted to the call to action from it. We're also going to take $500, so our budget was $2,500 total, and we're going to dedicate that $500 towards targeted Facebook ads. I'll know, I'll be able to know exactly how many people clicked on the ad, the demographic of those people. I'll know exactly what they did when they got to our website. I'll know exactly which one of them um, signed up for our opt-in and was uh, given us their email address in exchange for information. And I'll know exactly what the actual return on the investment is. And, And that's really one of the key benefits of doing things online is your money will go further and it'll go more strategically to the audience that you really, really want. It feels good to say we've got a TV ad. It feels good to say we're in the newspaper. It feels good to see those things. Uh, but it's really an old school mentality. If if you're actually trying to be accountable for the money that you're going to spend in marketing, online marketing is one of the easiest places to see the ROI, the return on investment that you're making. And like I said, as cool as it is to do newspaper um, or, you know, television or, you know, door knockers, things like that, you're never truly going to know the return on, on investment. You're, you're pretty much playing a guessing game and you're hoping that an- anecdotes remain true. Whereas online marketing, it's actual real hard numbers proof. If you're looking for accountability. So online, you know, online is very powerful. I agree. And I see a lot of that, um, being a great return and, and some of it's kind of confusing for some people that aren't real techie. And so they hire people to do that. And that's, I think a wise use of your money as well. But one of those questions that keeps coming to the top and we've hit on it a little bit is engagement and how do you engage people? Because ultimately a church wants to get their people to do something meaningful, whether it's in the church or outside the church. And so how does social media help us motivate people or mobilize people towards a goal? What are some ways that we can, they can, they can do that. Yeah. So social media is a great place to start the conversation in the business world. You don't close deals on social media. You begin the conversation and, uh, it's very similar in the church world. In the church world, you start conversations. You don't close commitments using social media. We have to understand though, that social media and the different avenues, the different platforms that we have available there are so many competing interests in that news feed. So if you're just going to take Facebook and we're going to focus on Facebook because no matter, you know, the, the, um, what, what is it? The, uh, the rumors about my death are way exaggerated, whatever that quote is. People will talk down Facebook and they'll say, oh, it's going away. Oh, the youth aren't on there. Well, you know what? The youth, they are doing other things, but Facebook 
they're still on Facebook in huge, huge numbers. It's just not as big as a Snapchat. So we're going to focus in on Facebook. If you look at the Facebook newsfeed, the problem that churches often have with getting the engagement that they want is they assume that their information is important in the newsfeed. You know, we're so close to it. We're so close to what we're producing. We're stuck in this bubble. We're stuck inside of this think tank all day long, and we're living, breathing, uh, eating, sleeping, dreaming ministry. Whereas the people who don't work at the church, the people who show up on Sundays and maybe one other night per week, they are thinking about everything else going on in their life. They're thinking about uh, making rent. They're thinking about their car. They're thinking about you know their car and the mechanic uh, problem, the mechanical problems they're having. They're thinking about their kids and their school functions. They're thinking about, am I going to have enough money to pay for groceries? They're thinking, when am I going to have time to go get groceries because my kids are sick? The church's message in the social media feed is literally the least important message that somebody has. You know why? Because mm. they're not sitting back on their heels saying, what's my church going to do next? If you want true engagement, if you want to truly mobilize your church using social media towards whatever it is you're doing, first and foremost, that whatever it is you're doing has to be clear. People respond to a clear message. If you're saying, do a pizza night right now, and then you post, a, you create another post the next night saying, doing an ice cream night. Well, you've got two conflicting messages. It doesn't matter that it's for two different events, two different ministries. It's two conflicting messages. You have to be very, very clear on what that central message is that you're trying to have people respond to. And once you land on that, you commit to it and you don't leave it. You stick with it. And everything you do is about lifting up and pushing forward that message. Well, how do you actually do that though? Okay. I've got my message. Um, you know, we're, we're recruiting for small groups and small groups are how we become more like Jesus. And that, that is exactly in line with our mission. Fantastic. So how do you do that? Well, you have to remember, nobody cares about your content. You're probably not as good at creating social media content as you think you are. So what you have to do is you have to step back and ask yourself the question, okay, if I start from the place that nobody cares about this announcement that I'm going to put out about small groups, what do I need to change about what I'm saying and how I'm presenting it and the graphic that's going along with it in order to compel them to care? What is it that I change to force them to stop scrolling because they're going to sit there on their sofa, 730 at night, 815 at night, spouses sitting right there. Um, each of them has their phone and they are scrolling, holding it in their left hand, scrolling with their right, and they're going to scroll right past it. Assume that. What do you need to change to get them to stop and look at? And when you start answering that question, you open up the door for people to actually see and engage with your content because you've put an effort in it beyond show up because it's going to be awesome or become more like Jesus. As much as we know that people want to become more like Jesus, they don't care about that in their Facebook feed. They want to laugh. They want America's Funniest Home Videos in their Facebook feed. They want pictures of their brother-in-law or their sister's brand new baby. Um, so really you have to start from that place of nobody cares about my content. What do I need to change to compel them to care? So when that they're scrolling at eight 30 at night, they're going to stop, they're going to look and they're going to respond. Yeah, I totally get that. I think, you know, when, when you start, it's the hardest pill to swallow, I think for the church is as a pastor, you know, you think my, what I'm talking about, like growing in small groups or, or, or reading this scripture verse slide that I've made or whatever, that's important. And we value it. We know how it can imp impact their lives if they'll just be part of it. But just because we care about it doesn't mean they care about it. And so it's like, we have to find how the things that they care about to attach 
these important, it's almost like you're telling a story. You're trying to compel them in, in some kind of narrative, like, hey, if you do this, then this will happen. And then they start to care about it. You're hitting the nail on the head, Seth, yeah. and the yeah. way that I've worded it, um, just articulate exactly what you're talking about is you tell a story one of two ways. One, you tell the story of the person you're trying to reach so that they hear themselves in that story, so that they understand that, that yes, this is pertinent to me, this is relevant to me. So that means you've got to know who you're trying to reach. And let me be honest with you guys out there, pastors, leaders, your church is not for everyone. As much as you say it is, it is not. Look at the people who are naturally drawn to your church. Look at their life circumstance. Look at their socioeconomic um uh, situation. Look at their education. That is who your church is attracting, and that is a good likelihood of who your church is for. So one, you've got to know who your church is for so you can tell their story. Or if you're not going to tell their story, you have to tell your story in a way that invites them in to see their role in your story. So it's all about them. It's not about the pastor and the message that they worked really hard over. It's not about the verse that you've spent all this time studying. It's about taking all of that and articulating it in a way that people can see themselves in it. If pastors want to know why people aren't engaging, responding, and following through with the message that they continue to push out every single week, it's because they're not doing it in a way where people can see their lives inside of that story, or they say, this story isn't for me. It's not about them. It's about somebody else. Yeah, if you want to see people engage— Make it all about them. Yeah, and I, for me, one of my values just in what I do here is this phrase called fun to follow. You know, and I want people to have fun when they follow me. You know, and they they see gifts that I put out and I respond to people. I'm very interactive, you know, and try to make people laugh and try to have a good time on social media. When I do those kinds of posts, I find that I get a lot more engagement, almost 150% more engagement as far as what I mean, people clicking it, responding, things like that. Then when I say, hey, here's a podcast I recorded. It's like, that's great. You know, they, that's, but that's about me, you know, maybe it can help them. Maybe it won't. But most of the time, the most like engagement I get is like when I, I share a meme or I do, you know, talk about tacos or something random like that. And, and I'm like, why do people care about this? Well, that's because that's what they care about. And it gives me this platform to when for when I do say, you know, um, by the way, we're doing this really great thing. It's like, okay, well, Seth's done some other things that made me laugh. Maybe I'll listen to this. So there's a little bit of a hook there, you know, and, yeah. I, and I think that on social media, I don't think churches quite understand that part of it, the conversational social side of it that comes along with, if you want your message to be heard, you have to listen to their message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just think about the mechanic. I've already brought that up. Let's just stay there for a second. Would you care if your mechanic was emailing you every single day? Would you would you unsubscribe from those emails? Yeah, probably. Why? Because you don't need the mechanic and their story every single day. Now, if that mechanic turns it around and talks about the different small businesses in the area, talks about um, sister businesses that are restaurants in the area, and starts turning it around saying, hey, just wanted to let everybody know that the freeway right here near the shop is going to be closed this weekend, and all of a sudden starts making it about the people who that mechanic is serving and the things that they're engaging in in their everyday lives, mm -hmm. well, that's a completely different story. I don't give a rip about transmissions until mine goes out. What I do care about is am I going to be able to make it to work on time on the freeway or is the freeway going to be closed? Am I going to have, you know, do I have something fun to take my kids to on Thanksgiving weekend 
or am I just going to have to do stuff here? That's what I care about. And you're absolutely right. You start making it about the people and helping them see that you actually care about them, not just, you know, them showing up at your event and making you feel good. Um, making you feel like you're, you're actually doing something. You know, we disguise these things as like God's really doing something with a whole bunch of people show up. Um, when in reality it's, it's probably a combination of number of things. And I'm not removing the, the spiritualization. I'm just saying a lot of times we'll over spiritualize it rather than looking at what we truly did and what the communication was and then replicating that. Right. And, and, you know, to, to mobilize people to get them to that event, you know, I want to talk about how, how do you do that? And especially using social and online tools like your website and Facebook and all the things that we've been discussing, you know, you, you want to get your people. Okay. For instance, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine, let me know through Facebook about a, um, a campaign of some kind to donate socks for, you know, kids. It's uh, basically donating socks for refugees or for, for underprivileged kids at Christmas time, something like that. So say you want to get your church involved in something like that, to donate socks and mobilize them and actually be there to hand them out and do all this great stuff with this organization. What are some ways you can start to kind of use use social media to mobilize your people on something like that? Yeah, so the low-hanging fruit for churches is, well, let's have the pastor speak an entire Sunday in his socks. And that's all fun and good, but chances are only one quarter to one third of your congregation shows up on a Sunday. And if you're putting all of your stock, if you're putting all of your hope in capturing momentum from Sunday morning, um, it's just not a realistic idea. And if you've experienced that and you're not focusing on anything other than Sunday morning, well, you're probably underachieving because on a Sunday, you are going to miss two-thirds to three-quarters of your entire congregation. They don't show up every week. They're so transient these days, and I know it differs from different locations in the U.S., but um, uh, the average churchgoer in the in the um, demographic where I'm at out here in Arizona, they consider going to a church full-time twice a month. And that's, that's what they consider to be a, a full-time churchgoer. It's my church if I attend twice a month. Well, you're missing two to three Sundays every single month if you're only going twice. So yep. it really does become important to utilize social media and bring that in. And how would you begin to get people to donate socks? Well, first and foremost, I'd stop talking about the little things that you're doing in your student ministry. Yes, student ministry is important, but you know what? Chances are you've got a database full of parents and full of students that you can communicate with directly. So stop posting on your social media about the three different um, mission projects that your children's ministry, your student ministry, and your college ministry has going on. If you're truly trying to make it all about gathering socks and um, supplies for refugees, then that's the only thing you talk about. And you might feel like you've talked about it till you're blue in the face and say, man, we've talked about this for two weeks straight. All of our posts have been about this. We had the pastor talk about it two weeks. Well, you know what? You only have Half of your congregation, a quarter to a third of your congregation showing up on Sunday. And within that, you're not going to hit all of your congregation within one week or two weeks on social media. Really, you need to have an entire campaign that's planned out over the course of weeks so that it le- so that Seth actually sees it show up three, four, five, six times. So he finally remembers on that last Sunday 
that socks are going to be collected. Shoot, I've been seeing this for the last several weeks and I keep forgetting to stop by or I haven't gone the last few weeks. I need to make sure to do this. It's not a one-time shop. You've got to talk about this thing until you're blue in the face. And the second you're blue in the face and just exhausted, you feel like everybody's heard about it, they're just barely starting to get it. And that's true across yeah. the board. Let, let me let me jump in and play the dumb guy in the infomercial for a second. Are you actually suggesting that churches use their entire ministry to focus on something? Yeah. As a, as a group, like students, children, worship team even get, comes in late and does it too. So uh, all of us are going to talk about socks? Yeah. You don't necessarily <laughs> have to talk all about socks. No, in, I think that's know. great. I, I mean, I, I I'm amazed at just how many times we don't leverage all the resources to do a church-wide thing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like sometimes I, I was a youth pastor for a long time and I remember even feeling so overwhelmed with what I was doing. Sometimes it felt like, Oh man, we're doing an all church deal. I don't have time for that. But it's like the vision wasn't there to say, no, this is what you are doing. This is what you're busy with. You know, this is what we're all going to do to mobilize. So I think from a staff point of view, like inside the meeting, it has to be unified as well before mobilization really can happen anywhere. Uh, you know, they, I, I've, I felt like I was on the outside sometimes being told what I'm going to do. Bring people in on that. You know, pastors, bring everybody in. Bring your youth guy, your children's people and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Let's talk about how to do this in every level. And then, you know, on the social channels and on the web and everything you're talking about, it looks right. And it, and it saturates a little better into your crowd. Yeah, I, I think it's great to have everybody on the same page. I would I would love it if um, if that were if that were the 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 position that almost every church said and or every church took. And and I'm not saying that you have to abandon all of the curriculum and you have to abandon everything that you're doing. But right. what I am saying is you have to recognize that everything is competing with everything else. So if you say you're really all about this socks, if this really helps you realize the vision of your church, you know, exactly what you were talking about, Seth, like if this is really what the entire church is about, not just big church, but student ministries, because they're part of the core of the church, children's ministries, singles, marrieds, young adults, whatever. If you say this is really what we're all about, then all of these sub interests, they can exist in their own, you know, context, but you don't bring that to the forefront of the rest of the church. You make everything that the church overall does about that central mission and vision. And you make sure that all the mystery, all of the ministries know what's going on. Because like I said, everything is, if, if you're doing more than one thing, that second thing is competing with the first thing 100% of the time. And I'll, and I'll take it one step further to make it practical. Let's say that you do have a pet ministry, and it's a, it's a leader in the church, and that leader in the church gives a lot of money, and that money goes to fund a lot of different things, and they've been doing their pet ministry for a long time, and so there is this compulsion to continue to give them what they've already received, what they've already been used to, yet you're trying something new. Here's what I would do. I would say, you know, Seth, that's that's fantastic. Now, I'm not going to be able to put the event out there like you asked, but I'd like to do something a little bit better. I would like to talk with you about this roller skating night, and I'd like to understand a little bit more about what it is that you're seeing happen inside of this group, why you are so passionate about this, and how this relates to what you see us doing as a church overall. Then, at that point, it no longer becomes about the roller skating event, and I'm just using that because that's the example I always use. It's no longer yeah. about the roller skating event, but it's about the same values that's propelling that sock 
drive forward. And it's coming alongside and saying, look, you know, Bob over here in the roller skating ministry, he has been providing the exact same thing for the people at our church that we are trying to do spiritually for the people who these supplies are going to go to. And so you make it about the story. You don't make it about the event. No one cares about the event. They care about the story that's transpiring and what the event is, is signaling, is representing. Right. And it's what they say in the marketing world, the difference between a feature and a benefit. The feature would be like the info and here's what we offer. And that's kind of about you. Then the benefit is like, here's what will happen to you if you do this. Here's the great things that can come from this in your life. Yeah, you know, that, that's such a huge difference. Well, you hit on uh, some financial questions. And I know that in Facebook and I guess on Twitter as well, if, if your church, a lot of churches aren't on Twitter. Uh, it seems to me, maybe you have a different experience, but in my realm, I don't see a lot of them. But on Facebook, there's there's a lot of difficulty with the like, fan, like the fan page getting exposure to promote events. And so a lot of churches are having to use Facebook ads. I mean, that's a, that's where the way it's going now. So let's talk about budget just a little bit because churches are now starting to have to budget for online social advertisements. What is a good way to think about those budgets? Maybe even a, a, a guesstimate of a good number of what you want to do. I don't know if you can even do that, but just kind of talk about the budgets and the, and the process of how you might want to come up with something like that and the financial questions churches might need to ask. Yeah, that's that's a good question, and it's one that churches have to pay attention to because uh, Facebook, you can flush a lot of money down the toilet really quickly. Yes. Um, It's easy to pay for people to like your page. Um, There's something with all of these social media platforms that I call baked-in metrics, and that's the likes, comments, shares on Facebook. Um, On Twitter, it's the retweets, the replies, and the hearts. Um, Instagram, it's the likes and the followers and the comments. So there are all these baked-in metrics, and baked-in metrics – um, they make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Ooh, I got 70 likes. This one was really good. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. When I get 70, 80 likes on an Instagram photo that I do, I feel like, well, I'm doing something right. But the truth is, is that those baked in metrics don't tell me a bigger story. They, the metrics pretty much end there. Now, over the course of years, uh, months to years, those trends will hold true and they'll tell you that you're doing something interesting or you're not, but you cannot relegate your success on social media to just whether or not you're getting likes, comments, or shares. If that's where you live, it's going to be easy to just pay $5 to boost a post to get it in front of more people so you get more likes, comments, and shares. That's not actually doing anything for you, it, but it but it does feel good. It, it makes you feel like, wow, I've, I've done something. Sure. This is a success. Yeah. Positive. But you paid for that success. Positive vibes. Yeah, positive vibes. What you really <laughs> want to do is if you want to get into Facebook ads in particular and you want to be effective at them, there, there's two things that I would recommend. Number one – Go out there and find someone in the secular world who's teaching about Facebook ads and learn how to do them. Spend $300, $400, $500 on learning how to actually set up targeted Facebook ads, how to set up a retarget. Um, a lot of church communicators and a lot of pastors will be surprised to hear that you can set up a ad to target only those people who visited your website in the last seven days. You can do that. So you're going to give a, hey, thanks for visiting our website. We'd love to have you join us on Sunday morning message uh, or uh, an ad, particularly just for people who are brand new, 
visiting your website in the last seven days. Likewise, you could say anybody who visits our you know student ministry winter camp page, we want to target ads to them. You can get very specific. So rather than spending $10 to boost an ad to your page and the people who like it, which who knows who those uh, and the friends of people who like it, which who knows who those people are, you can spend that $10 targeting 5, 10, 15, 20 people who actually already indicated interest in the content that the ad is, you know, perpetuating, the ad is representing. And so that's why I say you need to get educated. And $400, $500, that might sound a lot uh, like a lot to you, but let me tell you that if you don't spend the $500 there, you're going to spend $500 over the course of four or five months, you know, between Easter and Christmas, and you're not going to have really anything to show for you, yeah. show for them. What I would have you do is spend $500 this year, get educated, and then do you know, $5 here, $5 there throughout the year, rather than just dumping a whole bunch of money into Christmas and Easter, not knowing what you're actually getting. The other option that I would say is to set aside, maybe just for seasons of the year, or maybe to set up, um, you know, once or twice a year, set aside, um, you know, probably about a thousand dollars for ads and actually paying somebody to come in and set up your ads for you. There are lots of people who are gifted in Facebook ads who spend way more time understanding how to do these things than you or I will ever spend in our entire lifetimes. They, they max it out in a week, what we would you know do over the course of our lives. And in the same way that you wouldn't some, want someone getting up on Sunday morning, who's never spoken a day in their life and has never read through scripture, you wouldn't want them giving your, your sermon on Sunday. So why would you trust somebody who doesn't know what they're doing with Facebook ads um, with, with money, putting your church's platform out there in front of those people without knowing how to target them and get the right message in front of the right person at the right time. So either one, get training for yourself. And then once you do that, maybe 30 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, depending on what your budget is and depending on what it is you're trying to accomplish. I like to look at everything as a big picture, not individual events, um, or hire someone to come in and take care of it and, uh, walk you through the process of actually defining who you're trying to reach, what you want to do and what you want the end result to be. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm right there right now trying to figure out Facebook ads myself. I've, I've dabbled, you know, and I actually reached out to someone and they're helping me. Uh, to understand how to target better, because that's 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 the name of the game right there. If you can learn how to target well and get it in front of the right people, then you get a much better return and it's money way better spent than just boosting the post and oh, hundred people liked it, sweet. Who are they? I don't know. You know, like they never yeah. will they ever show up? Well, well, I don't know. We had a hundred people. Let's half of them might be from Kazakhstan. Nothing against Kazakhstan, exactly. But that just probably where half of them came from. If you're paying to get more likes on your posts, I'll tell you one of the ways that I know when I've re- when I've targeted something poorly is when I see my own ad. <laughs> when my ad pops up in my own feed, I'm like, stop showing this to me, you dummy. This is not for me. So uh, I know I've retargeted poorly then. Um, churches can definitely do this, I think, a lot cheaper than they think. I think it's just an overwhelming kind of area that they don't know much about. And I love the idea of hiring someone to come in and do it. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities to outsource a lot of this kind of stuff now. Yeah. For churches, especially with small budgets that can't afford a lot, it's like, hey, come and set me up. And it's a one-time thing and maybe a monthly deal. You come and check us out and help us out and fix stuff for us, whatever, as needed. And there's a lot of people out there that do it freelance, and I think that's a great option. Um, so last question I wanted to ask you before we jump into our five on the spot. Um, 
what podcasts or resources could you recommend? What's, what's really kind of either just blowing your mind right now, or do you think is relevant to this, this topic? Um, just things that you're into podcasts or books or whatever that you're, that you're really getting a lot out of right now. Well, I love referring folks because I don't, I don't, I, I work uh, consulting with churches and I run monthly communications, but I don't provide um, ad hoc services or, or anything like that. I don't have courses for churches or mm-hmm. trainings or anything. So I like to refer anybody who is, you know, kind of wanting to step up their game to my buddy Brady Shearer. He does um, pro church tools. I've contributed to. Um, several things that he's done over there, um, yeah. contributed to them over the last several years. And Brady's just a rock solid guy, um, has a heart for the church. He knows what he's doing and, um, you're going to get really, really good advice, good direction from him. His, uh, pro church, uh, pro church Academy. It's only open a couple times a year. And if you're serious about running a church and, and I, I mean that in all the sense, like if, if, if you're serious about running your church and doing well, um, you would do well to pay whatever it is Brady's charging the next time he opens it up. So I would recommend that and I would send people there and, uh, and you can check out his podcast for free, uh, at prochurchtools.com. So Brady, love you, man. Um, the other <laughs> thing that I would say is if you can stand some F bombs, um, I would listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, the dude yeah. understands people. He understands the way the human brain works. He understands psychology and he just has a really good discerning spirit about people. Now, um, he's not a believer as far as I can tell. He doesn't profess to be. I've never heard him say anything that would make me um, believe that he is, but, but he understands how people work. And if we compare things that he says with the truth of the gospel and what's actually happening in people's hearts, I think we can take what he does and run with it even further. Um, there's another guy who I like listening to as far as copywriting goes, and churches greatly undervalue good copywriting. I'm uh, not talking no someone joke. who's just a good author. I'm talking actual copywriting. Ray Edwards is someone who I like to listen yeah. to for copywriting. Yeah, I just started listening to Ray Edwards because I do copywriting on the side as well. Um, and I think that you're spot on, man. Copywriting, the the written word, even on online, it's like kind of we're just coming to the point where we realize, oh, we need to think about that a little bit more. We need to actually put some things into it and not just put the info out. So I think those are great. I listen to Brady Shearer, too. That's that's a great one. Um, I'd also recommend Donald Miller Story Brand podcast. That guy has just knows how to tell a good story uh, and helping your church tell a tell a story compelling either from announcements or for your website, whatever. So, all right, well, tell us where we can connect with you online. What, tell us about your website and your Twitter handles or wherever we can get with you. Yeah, so my website, it's, uh, it's focused on online business owners. If you can make the jump between me saying business and you reading nonprofit, then it's going to be a really great resource for you. It's daveshrine.com, and I know, Seth, you'll put in the show notes the actual spelling and the link. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Shrine. So, uh, so just my name, Dave Shrine, S H R E I N. Um, and, uh, and I love connecting via Twitter. And, uh, if anybody has any questions and they just want to reach out and text me, uh, you can feel free to send me a text on my phone. It's my number is 480-462-4126, but I will give a warning. Um, if you're not looking to take action, you're just looking to shoot the breeze. I am not the guy for you. I, I actually really, <laughs> um, push very hard to get people to take action and be honest about their intentions. And so when people reach out to me over text messaging, we, we get right into it. We're, uh, we're not necessarily looking to be buddy, buddy 
study, what we are looking to do is looking to get results from the efforts that we're putting in there. So 480-462-4126, you can reach out to me. Um, other bold. than that, I mean, I'd say just connect with me on Twitter. I, I love chatting it up there. Yeah, bold move, Shrine, putting your number out there. I don't know anybody else that does that. <laughs> That is a bold move. So you heard it here first, guys. You know, well, not first, definitely not first. You heard it here that you can connect with him online in a lot of those locations. And let me encourage you, you need to do that. If you are at all interested in upping your game for engagement online with your church and mobilizing them to do great things in the kingdom. So, uh, Dave, thank you so much for being here. We got one more little thing we're going to do called Five on the Spot. Let's do it. Uh, question one, what is the best ministry advice you've ever received? Best ministry advice that I ever received was one of my old leaders, one of my old bosses saying, focus on what only you can do and delegate everything else. That oh. was the best thing ever because it left me the ability to actually do the ministry I was called to rather than getting stuck in all the other stuff and something that I carry with now that I run a, a six-figure business. Amen. Let's pray. That was good. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite or least favorite? Well, let's see. What's your favorite social media platform and why? My favorite social media platform right now is Twitter. And the reason why is because when you find someone who actually real-time tweets, they real-time tweet. They really engage. And it's an opportunity to jump in and begin a relationship, begin a conversation with someone um, in a way that you can't do on any other platform. Twitter, it's okay to butt into things, and people enjoy it when you do. Um, and so I take great liberty in butting into things and making new friends. Yeah, that's how we actually connected online through Twitter. Yeah. And, and I, I actually reached out to you on something, and then you responded back real quick. And I thought, whoa, what the heck? <laughs> He's actually responding. Wow. I haven't seen that a lot. Cool. So we started talking a little bit and that's how you ended up here. Right. Uh, at the, you know, at the greatest point in your career, I'm sure being on the podcast. Uh, all right. Question. We're loving it, man. I am 100% present here right now. I know. I, I appreciate it. Um, question three, Chicago or New York pizza? New York pizza. And why, why do you like New York the best? I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Because of the water. The water? Oh, yeah. that's right. So out here in Arizona, that's right. there's a, um, I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, but um, I'll, I'll explain. Out here in Arizona, there's a uh, uh, restaurant called NYP, New York Pizza Department, and their <laughs> commercials on the radio say, um, you know, you looking for some good pizza, something that, that has that real New York flavor. Um, you want to come to NYPD Pizza where they use water just like they use in New York to get that crisp, flaky crust that makes New York pizza so desirable. And so that's that's my New York accent. And that is why I say New York because of the water. It, it really actually is great pizza at NYPD Pizza out here in Arizona. When you come out here, man, I'll, uh, I'll take you out there. Awesome. Well, first of all, spot on impression of a New Yorker. And second, I actually did a trade show in New York, and the guy, one of the guys we hired to, that's a New Yorker, worked with us. He ta he goes out to Phoenix to visit his mother, and was telling us about that place. They actually ship New York water from New York to that restaurant to make the pizza. Yeah, that's an actual thing they do. And I'll tell you, they're proud of their water in New York, and it is really good. Having been there, it really is pretty good. All right, number four, what are your three favorite TV shows right now? My three favorite TV shows are always The Office, Arrested Development, and Friday Night Lights. 
That's man. it. I watch lots of television. You know, I used to be embarrassed by how much TV I watch, and now I'm not anymore. I'm I'm confident with who I am in Christ and the way he's made me. I love television. I can't get <laughs> enough of it. I, I look for as many shows to watch as possible because I love a good story. Yeah. Texas forever. <laughs> All right. You know, you Clear know, eyes, I love it. full hearts. Can't, can't lose. lose. Yeah. So how, question five, last one. How can the church do a better job to reach out to cats? How can the church do a better job to reach out to cats? Yeah. How can we reach cats for the, with the gospel? I mean, they're evil. They're pure evil. How do we reach them? You know, I think you, what you want to do is you want to tell, you want to tell their story. You want to <laughs> talk to them in a way that they can see their own lives in what it is you're saying and you say are you are you finding yourself lacking energy no matter how many hours you sleep throughout the day and through the night every morning you wake up lacking energy do you find that the people that you're living with are bugging you constantly that no matter how quiet or how loud they are you cannot find a happy medium and you just start talking to them in a language that they'll understand and i think eventually they'll come around because they'll see themselves where they are, and they'll see the transformation that you're calling them to, and they'll want to give it a shot. Yeah, that's awesome. Visualize an attack, guys. Visualize an attack. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I heard Craig Groeschel tell a joke once that I always tell. It's my favorite cat joke. And he, he gets on stage, and he tells some cat jokes, and, and like how he hates cats. But the last joke he says, it's like, oh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm actually starting to like cats a lot better now. I just can't finish a whole one by myself. <laughs> I lost it. He told that at like a right now conference or orange conference or something. And uh, I lost it. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being here, man. This was great. This was an honor and so much information to digest. I hope that everybody goes back and listens to this over and over and takes uh, fervent notes, fervent notes, frivolous notes, take copious, lot, take copious notes, take lots of notes, write it all down and come back to it later. So uh, thank you guys for listening. This has been the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, and I will see you back in two weeks. Thanks.